0: come you back to crossroads after taking a week off last week i will tell you did not want to have to make that decision. I'm not scared of the decision, but it was an ice rink out there on Saturday, and we knew the temperature was not going to get warm on Sunday morning. So we thought, you know, I can't have somebody being a guy that's fallen twice in the last six months. Uh, I didn't want to make. I just want to make sure that none of you were going to fall, and it be on my watch. So again, uh, we missed last week. We did post up a previous rebroadcast of another message, so that we would have something. But again, it was basically impossible for me to feel comfortable getting anybody here. So again, welcome back. Again, we're always encouraged that people are joining us online. I noticed a while ago we had several people already online. So we have people all over the country who really joined us. And it's hard to believe. Uh, We have a big contingent in Texas. We love those people. They've been so instrumental in helping us as a church, and they join us online every week. So for every person that's joining us online, we welcome you. We also say comment below, let us know where you're listening from, but also take it and share it from our Facebook page to yours because, again, the more people that we can get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, it's just a win for everybody. So, again, thank you for joining us online, whether that's the audio or the video we're, we're so, gracious to ha- it's so gracious to have you with us. Hey, when you come in on, on Sunday mornings, I know some of you have a you just kind of do that kind of look, look and you know, look the other way and go on by and you don't take one of these. But again, this is our way of communicating with you. I was talking with some people a while ago. There's not a good way to communicate with you anymore because so many people do so many different things. This is one of the ways that we put things in your hand to let you know of upcoming things or things that are important to you. But to me, really the most important part is that bottom part where we ask you to fill out the tear off. You put your personal information if anything in your life is changing uh address phone number email address we like to update that we're not going to come you know accost you we don't do that that's just not who we are as a church but we like to keep your information up to date in the event that we work uh, needing to get a hold of you. We have the correct information. So, update that if you will. But the most important part to me is again on the backside that's where we ask you to write down a prayer request. Whether that's for you, somebody in your family, somebody you know, we have a team of people who this afternoon will get those prayer requests and throughout the week they will pray for you confidentially, they don't share that with other people. They are bound uh, by an oath that we make them sign. We ask them to sign that they won't share your confidential request. So again, always give us your prayer request because knowing when you do, we have a team of people who love to pray with you and they love to pray for you. So again, you'll take that. You'll tear that off from the rest of this. We call this the worship guide. Uh, It's not like it used to be. But, again, we may go back to that, but, again, it's still the worship guide. Tear that off, keep the upper part, and drop the other part in your uh, with your offering as you exit today in the bucket. Uh, there will be people at the doors. they are the people with the lanyards on. Just drop that tear off in the bucket with your offering, uh, remembering that we missed last week and the bills keep coming, okay? So make up if you can. We would appreciate that. It will help us continue to do the things that God has called us to do. Also, let me say this. Uh, we have a new uh, young adult call couples group starting in the month of February. Uh, If you're late 30s, uh, married early 40s, and you would like to get information or be in that group, uh, the leaders of that group are going to be at a table out in the lobby today. They'll be out there next week also. Uh, Stop by, talk to them, give them your personal information. Uh, They'll try to get you connected in that group. And if it doesn't work, Uh, they'll provide that information to me, uh, and we'll try another group uh, in the next few weeks also. Again, it's just one of the things that we want to do to try to get you connected and to build community with other people. Well, a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, two weeks ago, you know we started a a message that I told you was probably going to turn into a series. It was not intended to be a series, but I told you there was just too much content here, and, and I actually titled the series, Worth It. And the reason that I use that title is because I know this is a new year. It's the end of the month. It's the end of January. Can you believe next week's going to be February? I mean, it's already a new year, but I knew in a new year you're going to be facing some new battles. And when you face new battles, here's my heart to you. I want you, when you face those new battles, to be battle-ready. I want to make sure that you're fighting for the things in your life that are worth it. So two weeks ago, I said that there are some things that the enemy has taken from you, And those are things that you need to take back. There are blessings that God wants you to have, but if you're going to experience the blessings that God wants you to have, then you have to know that you're going to have to fight to get where God wants you to be. So this series last week or two weeks ago, this week and next week, it's really about me getting you battle ready because I want to make sure that you are winning at the things that matter most in life. Now think about that, winning at the things that matter the most. Because when you think about that, you can win at lots of things in life. But if you don't win at the right things, then that basically means that you've lost. So we started this series two weeks ago by looking at a regular old guy, a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Nehemiah. And the thing that I love about Nehemiah is Nehemiah is just like me and you. He's just an ordinary guy. He's not a prophet. He's not a priest. He's not a king. But he's just an ordinary guy that God was going to use in an extraordinary way. Because the thing that Nehemiah was about to do was something that people had actually been trying to do for decades. So Nehemiah starts off in the story... And we see him in the story, and he's a servant to the king of Babylon. Now, Babylon, if you were to look at today's map, uh, it would be where Iraq and Iran are. Nehemiah was a slave to the king. He was a cupbearer to the king. He was a waiter to the king. He was on the waitstaff of the king. And he hears about the conditions of the walls in his hometown of Jerusalem. So he asked the king to to get permission to go back and repair the walls because the walls had been in ruin. And he knew that if the walls of Jerusalem are in ruin, that it meant that the lives of the people of Jerusalem, those lives were also in ruin. See, the people had been living in misery for years because they had been living at the mercy of their enemy. There didn't seem to be any hope. The future looked bleak for the people of Jerusalem. And the temple where the people would go to worship God wasn't even functioning like the temple was supposed to function because the walls were down. And if the walls were down and the temple's not functioning, what does that mean? It simply means that the people were not connecting with God. And that generation after generation had grown up not knowing are not having a relationship with God. So when Nehemiah gets the the, the news of the condition of the walls in Jerusalem, it's something that he just kind of says, you know what, I just, I I can't stand it. I can't, I can't take it anymore. And, And the thing that's really interesting, because most people don't teach this from this story, the condition of the walls was not his responsibility. The fact that the walls had been torn down and were in disrepair, were not, that was not Nehemiah's responsibility. He wasn't responsible for the condition of the walls, but he took responsibility for something that he wasn't even responsible for. Now think about that. He took responsibility for something that he was not responsible for. That's, that. listen, 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 that's what I call the spirit of Nehemiah. And that's what I'm praying will get onto this church. That we are going to take responsibility for those things that have broken down around us. I mean, think about it. Things in our world, things in our society, things in our culture, things in our lives, things in our community. That we'll take responsibility for things that we're not responsible for, but we make a commitment that we are going to build those things back up in Jesus' name. Now, as soon as Nehemiah got to Jerusalem, doing what God had called him to do, the enemy started to attack him. Now, why would the enemy attack Nehemiah? Because the enemy does not want the walls to be rebuilt. See, for years, the enemy had come and gone like the enemy wanted to come and go. The enemy wanted to come and go. They did not want the walls built. Because why? Because the enemy wanted control over the people. And can I just tell you, that's the same thing that the enemy wants in your life. Your enemy wants to control your life. Your enemy doesn't want you to hear this series because he doesn't want you to build up spiritual walls. He wants to come and go in your life as he pleases. He wants to come and go and cause conflict in your life as he desires. Let me tell you, your enemy wants to bring confusion and division into your life. And that's the very reason why we need this series. Because we need to learn the importance of spiritual walls. We need to build up those walls in our lives. So here's what happened. Two weeks ago, some of you left. I mean, I know because some of you told me. Some of you actually communicated with me online and you were, like, you were like on a spiritual high. And, and you told me, you're like, I'm ready to do everything that you talked about, Randy. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to write down my prayers. And you left out of here, I mean, like your tail was on fire for God. And then the snow came, and the kids were home, and somebody got sick, and the toilet got clogged up, and it just seemed like everybody was against you. You know what it seemed like? It seemed like all hell was against you when it came to building spiritual walls in your life. And can I just tell you? It is. All hell is against you. When it comes to building spiritual walls in your life, let me just tell you. Listen to what I'm saying. All hell is against you. And the devil will do anything in his power to keep you from building up those spiritual walls in your life. Which is the very reason that when you tried to pray after we were here two weeks ago, you were more distracted in your prayers than you've ever been. Because the devil doesn't want you to build up these things. The devil doesn't want you to lay a spiritual foundation so that spiritual walls can be built in your life. Let me tell you, the devil will do whatever he can. To keep that from happening, but listen to me, build them anyway. He doesn't want it to happen, but what am I saying? Do it anyway. So Nehemiah got to Jerusalem, and he faced the very same kind of opposition that you and I faced after we left here two weeks ago. But look at what it says in chapter 4, verse 1. I love these people's names. If I, 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 I'm beyond the childbearing age, you know what I'm saying, I think? I think. But if I had a kid, I'd name him you know, That's just a cool name. <laughs> Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. Now, this is Nehemiah talking to us. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage, and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones that are coming from a rubbish heap? And charred ones at that. Tobiah, there's another name, the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of the wall. It's a four-legged fox, not a two-legged fox, okay? Okay. Some of you will get that tomorrow, okay? But do you hear it? I mean, do you hear it? Sandballot Tobai and their friends are just mocking them. They're just trying to intimidate them. And that's the same thing that's going to happen to you when you're trying to do the thing that God has called you to do. You better expect the same battle, people. And some of you got that battle in the last two weeks. I mean, some of you actually walked out of here last week, uh, week before last, and and, and again, you actually tried some of the things that we talked about two weeks ago. You actually tried to get the family together and try to have a little five-minute devotion and pray with the family. And what did the family do? The family laughed at you. Some of you tried to do the right thing at work. And what happened? You got put down for doing the right thing. But here's the thing. Keep doing the right thing. It doesn't matter if somebody puts you down. Because if Nehemiah had listened to the voice of the enemy, he would not have stepped out and done the very thing that God had called him to do. Listen to me, people. Listen. You can't let doubt take over. Because if you listen to the voice of the enemy, you will never step into your destiny. Did you hear me? If you listen to the voice of the enemy, you will never step into your destiny. So my feeling this morning is that we've come together to put together a battle plan so that you can stand against the devil this week. Because I want you to understand me, you have an enemy. It's, It's not, let me tell you, you have an enemy. And it's not the guy in the red tights with the horns and the pitchfork that sits on your shoulder. That's not him. The devil is real. And the devil is after your soul. The devil is after your marriage. The devil is after your family. The devil is after your kids. The devil wants to steal and kill and destroy. He wants to rob you of your joy. He wants to rob you of your peace of mind. And when we look in the Bible, that's where we find some different names for our enemy. Look at the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we find the word Satan, which means adversary. Adversary means that the enemy is opposed to everything good and God in your life. He's opposed to everything good and everything God in your life. So when you're trying to build up something that's good and God in your life, then you can expect that the enemy is going to be there trying to oppose everything that you do. Because he's opposed to it all. That's the Old Testament. Then we go to the New Testament. Satan in the Old, but it's devil in the New Testament. Devil means accuser. He comes to accuse you. He comes to remind you of all the places that you have been in your past, like you don't already know, right? I can tell you almost everything bad I have done in my past. I don't need somebody to remind me. But he's the accuser. And he comes to remind me of all the things that I've done in my past. Now, can I just tell you something? Time out, time, time out, time out. Anytime the devil comes to uh, remind you of your past, can I just tell you this? This is something you probably don't know. If he comes to remind you of your past, you know what that means? He's running out of new material. He's running out of new material. But here's the thing. You've heard this before. When he comes and reminds me of my past, I just remind him of his future. Because it's a table match, and he is going down. Smell what Randy is cooking. You know what I mean? (laughs) He's going down. That's what the story tells me. So the enemy comes after Nehemiah, and not just once, but day after day after day, even after the wall has been built. So th- this is the scripture that I really want us to look at today. It's actually Nehemiah chapter six, verse one, and here's what it says. Look what it says. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished building the wall, and there were no. Now look at this. No gaps that remained. Though we had not yet set up the doors. In the gates. Now can I just tell? Can I just tell you this? Didn't even tell the first service this. You can build walls, and if you leave gaps, the enemy will still get in. There were no gaps that remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Let's just say that together. Say it. Ono, all together. Ono. but I realized they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message back to them. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Nehemiah says, four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. Let's say it together. Oh, no, I ain't going to. Oh, no. Oh, let's go. Oh no, I ain't going to. Oh no, turn to somebody next to you and say, Oh no, I ain't going to. Oh no, we ain't going to. Oh no, turn get up, go tell somebody. Oh no, I ain't going to. Oh no. Four times Nehemiah got an invitation from the enemy, and let me just say this morning, I'm 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 about to get Pentecostal up here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Four times he got an invitation. We all get invitations. I got an invitation in the mail several months ago. This is a, an invitation to my latest granddaughter's first birthday. And I mean, you, we all get invitations. They come, you know, in the mail. They come via email. They come via text message. But, but what's really interesting is usually when you get a text or a, an invitation on a card like this, there'll be something down at the very bottom that says, Please RSVP. What does that mean? Reply. Respond. You need to respond to the, to the invitation. If you get an invitation, you're supposed to respond. So here's the question I have for you this morning based on the scripture and the story that we're looking at. Look at the screen behind me. What do you do when you get an invitation from the enemy? What do you do? When he sends you an invitation to to step down from everything you are building, what do you do? Because let me tell you, you're going to get an invitation. And can I just be honest with you? Because of this message, you're probably going to get an invitation before the day is over. But I want to help you know how to respond when the devil sends you an invitation. What do you do when the devil invites you to step aside? Here's what Nehemiah had happen. We just read it. The enemy, the enemy said, come, come over here where we can talk. Isn't that the way the enemy always starts? Just come over here so we can talk. We, we just, we just want to talk about it. I mean, the enemy comes to us, and it always seems to, call, to start with the conversation, doesn't it? Go back to Genesis chapter 3. It all started with a conversation long before Eve ever did anything. Why does the enemy start with a conversation? He starts with a conversation so he can fill your mind with messed up thinking. So I was really thinking about today and how we should approach it. And how is it that you and I are going to respond when we get one of these invitations? Because you see, the devil can tempt you. Listen, listen. The devil can tempt you. But do you realize the devil can't make you do anything? He can tempt you, but he can't make you do anything. If the Spirit of God is inside of you, he can tempt you, but he can't make you do anything. Do you remember that phrase? The devil made me do it. Anybody remember that? Oh, the devil made me do it. That's not true. It was you. You're the one who drove to Crumble Cookie. (laughs) You're the one who bought all four of those Crumble Cookies. And you're the one who ate all four of those Crumble Cookies. The devil didn't drive your car. The devil didn't use your credit card. It was you because the devil can't make you do anything. So let me give you a couple of things that will help you. Here's the first thing. Temptation is not a sin. Being tempted is not a sin. Just because you've been tempted doesn't mean you have sinned. I mean, think about it. Jesus was tempted, yet he lived his life and he never sinned. So here's the thing. You get that lustful thought in your mind. You know what you have to do? You have to take that thought captive. Temptation isn't a sin, but I'm going to give you something here that you may not have realized. Temptation is not a sin, but temptation is a battle cry to let you know that you're going to have to fight. Temptation is just something that's warning you. I'm getting tempted. I'm getting tempted to look at her. I'm getting tempted to look at that. I'm getting tempted to eat that. I'm getting tempted to say that. Being tempted... Is just a battle cry to let you know you've got to rise up in your spirit, man, and you've got to fight. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says this The temptations in your life are no different from what other people experience. These over here are no different from these over here. And God is faithful, He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Anytime you're tempted, there's always going to be a way out. So the promise here is that there is no temptation that is going to be more in your life than you could handle. And some of you are saying, that's not true, Randy. I'm telling you, it's not true. It feels like it's more than I can handle. And you know why it feels like a temptation is more than you can handle? It's because you're trying to handle it. It feels like more than you can handle because you're in your own power are trying to handle it. You're trying to do it through your own willpower. But willpower is just like muscles. And muscles grow weary. I mean, think about it. I mean, look at this. (laughs) Go to the gym. Work out those muscles. You work out those, and you know, you got arm day, chest day, leg day. I mean, think about it. Leg day, you go, you're doing all the leg exercises, and eventually them legs give out. Because why? Those muscles get weary. They get weary because my willpower is gone. I mean, I just don't have it in me anymore. It's the same reason why I can go through an entire day, I can eat right for breakfast, I can eat right for lunch, I can eat right for dinner, but then I open the pantry after dinner and I can eat everything on the shelf. Amen? It's because my willpower is gone. The point I am making is that you have to have more than willpower. You need Holy Spirit power. Because you can't do it on your own. Which leads us to the next thing. Here's the next thing. You're not as strong as you think you are. See, I love these people, these these good Christian people. Who say, you know what, I would never, I can't believe Randy did that. I would never do that. Don't you know those people, you know, I mean, it's like church Karen, you know. (laughs) I would never do that. Well, let me tell you, you need to read the verse right before what we read just a moment ago. Look, look, look at what it says. Here's what it says. Watch yourself. The person who thinks that he can stand against sin had better watch that he does not fall into sin. Why would it say that? Look at, look at that. Why would it say that? Because you're not as strong as you think you are. Does anybody remember David? The Bible, the Scripture, tells us that David was a man after God's own heart, yet he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband murdered. What does that tell me? I better be on alert. Look at what it says, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a lion looking for somebody to devour. I, was, I, I follow something on social media called uh, Nature is Metal. I think that's what it's called. It's, it's all animal attacks. I mean, like in the wild, in the bush. Another day I was watching and I saw this lion walking beside the water and there was an alligator. He grabbed that alligator by the nap of his neck and just killed him. That's the way the, the devil is. You need to understand, your enemy, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him, he is no different. He is as deadly, and he is looking to take you out. So you better be watching out, and you better be alert. Look at James chapter 4, verse 7. James says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So again, what I want to do is help you resist the devil when you get one of these. I want you to be able to say, what are you going to say? No, I ain't going to, oh, no. When you get the invitation and the devil wants you to step down from what God has called you to do, I want you to be able to say, no, I ain't going to go. We ain't going, oh, no. No, 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 we ain't going, oh, no. No. So today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you one practical step, and I'm going to give you one spiritual step. I'm going to give you one practical step today so that you can resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What I'm going to do, is uh, this this is yellow tape, like painter's tape, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this tape. Man, getting old is no fun. I'm going to make a line. Now here's what I'm going to tell you. Everything on that side of the line, can you kind of see the line right here? It's just right here in front of me. Everything in front, of, everything on that side of the line, on the north side of the line, is sin. Everything, everything over there is sin. But everything on this side of the line is okay. But let me ask you a question. What do you do when you have a situation? And you really don't know what to do. I know what you do. You do the same thing I do. You live as close to the line as you can. Right? When you really don't know what to do, you know, she invited you over and she's going to cook dinner and you're not married and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're going to live as close to the line as you can. But can I ask you something this morning? Knowing that there are going to be things that happen in your life, and you're going to be prone to live as close to the line and over here sin now, and right, right here, you're, you're wanting to get as close to sin, but you don't want to fall into sin, but knowing that there are going to be things that happen in your life, and, and you're going to really want to, like kind of like Johnny Cash, you're going to walk the line. Can I just propose something to you? What would happen? If we move the line, what if, we move, what if we just move the line back? What, what, if, what if we know those things are going to happen and we say, you know what? I'm just going to move the line. So what we do is we've got, we've got, to, loop, we've got to move the, the line. so That's sin over there. That's the first line. We've got to move the line so far back from sin that if you step over your line, you're not even close to sin. Come on now. You've moved the line so far back that you're not even close to sin. Well, we we, we just we just wanted to go parking. Did they still do that? That's what we did. You know, down those gravel roads. We're not gonna do anything. We just we just need to be together and spend some time together. And it's just gonna be kissing, you know. Uh Think you need to move your line because if you move the line then it, then it doesn't even need to be a sin issue see some of you are spending too much time on social media looking at other people's life but what you need to realize is you have a life so you know what you need to do you need to move your line Maybe some of you have trouble with the stuff that you're looking at online. Move your line. Move your line so far back. Because I want you to understand, there's nothing that the devil could tempt you with, ever, that is worth more than the thing that you're building for God. Nothing. So what line do you need to move this week? What line do you need to move? I mean, there's the line, but that's sin, and this is the line. But but again, you know that if you walk too close to the line that you're probably going to go over the line. What line do you need to move back over here and draw that line here so that even if you were to step over that line, you're not even close to sin. Some of you have a line that you need to move this week. What is the line that you need to move? That's the practical step. What's the line? Relationships. Pornography, relationships, pornography, finances, lust. It be any number of things. That's the practical step. Now, here's the spiritual step. And if you have forgotten everything that we have talked about up until this point, that's okay. Don't miss this. Because, you see, I can look back at my own life and tell you, That for too long I have tried to do things under my own power. My own willpower. But if there's anything I need you to know, it's this. Depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to rely. You have to lean on. You have to hold on to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because listen to me this morning. Aside from salvation, listen, listen, listen. Aside from salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift you'll ever receive. It's the greatest gift you'll ever have. It's the power that raised Christ from the dead. That power is inside of you. The power that busted open that tomb on Easter morning, it lives right here which means that you and I are not trying to resist the devil on our own. You're able to actually tap into a power that's inside of you so that you're not relying on your own strength. Look at Romans 8, verse 12. It says, you have no obligation to do what the sinful nature urges you to do. You do not have to say yes to crossing the line. You do not have to say yes. You do not have to say yes today when the the devil gives you an invitation. You do not have to say yes. You do not have to RSVP yes. You don't have to step away from the holy thing that God is doing in your life. But let me tell you this. If you don't have Christ, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life. And that means that you're going to be controlled by your sinful nature. But once you invite the Holy Spirit in your life, and he fills you with his power and his presence, then you're no longer held captive by those things that you may want to do. You can RSVP. No. No, I'm not going to no. No, no, no. No, oh, no. Look at that verse again, Romans 8, verse 12. I want you to look at it again. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You might want to do it. They might want to do it. There might be the urge to merge. But you have no obligation to do it. Look at what that verse goes on to say. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. Can I just tell you, Crossroads, if you keep doing what you want to do, living however you want to live, you know what Paul says? Paul says you're going to die. Now, I realize for some of you that sounds kind of drastic, kind of dramatic. But let's just be honest. How many of you would say, let's raise our hands. How many of you would say that sin was fun for a season? Come on now. Now, for those that don't raise their hands, you're either lying or you don't know how to do it right. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) The Bible says that sin is fun for a season. The Bible tells us that sin is pleasurable for a season, but it also says that that season will end, and when it ends, that season will end in death. Because sin thrills, and then it kills. Ask anybody who's addicted to something. They'll tell you that when they started whatever it was, it was fun. But they got so addicted that it destroyed their life. Their relationships are destroyed. Now they don't know how to break free. They were told that there was freedom in what they started doing, but now they're bound in chains. You can't just do what your sinful nature wants you to do, because, like Paul says, it will lead to destruction. So we have to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. The question is, if we have to depend on the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, how do we do that? Well, I think Paul gives us insight in being able to do that. Look at what he says, Galatians 5, verse 16. Because I believe there's hope. He says, but I can say, but I say, walk habitually in the Spirit. Seek Him and be responsive to His guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. What is is Paul saying here? Paul is saying make it a habit to walk in the Spirit, make it a habit to hear the voice of God. You need to make it a habit to hear those little promptings, because those little promptings, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit when you have the Holy Spirit in your life. I mean, think about habits. What was the first thing that you did this morning when you got up? You know what, the first thing I do every morning when I get up? I'm out of bed, into the, into the bathroom, and the first thing I do is brush my teeth. Do you know what? I didn't even have to think about what it was going to take to brush my teeth because I do it all the time, it's a habit. I do it two or three times a day. It's a habit. I mean, think about habits. What if you made it a habit to talk to the Holy Spirit two or three times a day? What if you just took the time to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Because here's the thing. If you do that, then you're going to learn to walk habitually in the Spirit. And let me tell you, when you walk habitually in the Spirit, the Spirit man gets stronger. I mean, think about it this way. What you feed grows, and what you starve dies. So if you keep feeding your sinful nature, your sinful nature is going to keep growing. But if you starve your sinful nature, it dies. And if you feed your if you feed your spirit, man, and you pray and you get into God's word and you walk habitually, then you're going to be just like Nehemiah, and you're going to respond to that invitation. Oh no, I ain't going to. Oh no. But look at what Nehemiah goes on to say, the last verse, chapter six, verse three. I'm doing a great work. Why should I stop to come down and talk with you? Can I just tell you, if you're working to build the things of God in your life, you're doing a great work. You're doing a great work to build up the things of God in your life. If you're trying to get your family centered back around the things of God, a great work. let me tell you, it's not just a great work, it's a holy work. If you're trying to learn and read, let me tell you, we had somebody in the first service who left out of here and the last thing that they said is, I need a Bible. If you're trying to learn and read the Bible, that's a holy work. That's a great work. Everything in your life that you're doing to build up spiritual walls in your life, you just need to hear me say from Randy Cook to your ears, it's a great work. Let me tell you, there's no invitation that the enemy could give you that's worth stepping down from that work. So get back up on that wall. Get on that wall. This week, go back out and build that wall strong so that when the enemy sends you an invitation, and he will, What are you going to do? The first thing you're going to do is you're going to move the line. You're going to move that line so far back that if you were to step over that line that you moved back, it wouldn't even be considered sin. That's the first thing. The second thing is you're going to to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. Because you know you can't do it on your own. You know, I thought about closing out this service this morning. I thought, how am I going to close this out? And can I just tell you, I want to close it out a little differently. Because I want to pray for us a prayer of repentance. I just really sense that we need to all tell God we're sorry. Because I think you, like me, have allowed some things in your life that are not good and they're not God and you like me have gotten used to it and you know why you have gotten used to it because everybody around you is doing it so in just a moment I'm going to pray for all of us and I'm going to ask you while you are in your seat for yourself and for your own home to pray a prayer prayer of repentance The next thing I'm going to pray is to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with His presence. To fill us with His Spirit so that we can do the things that He's called us to do. I'm also going to pray for some of you that you would get your relationship with Jesus right. Because I'll tell you, you will never experience the life and the joy of peace that God created you to experience apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ so for some of you you need to get that relationship right for others of you maybe you don't even have that relationship maybe today your relationship with Jesus isn't where it needs to be so I'm going to pray for you too would you bow your heads and Can I just just say this? If If it's not too uncomfortable, maybe some of you want to come down at the foot of the steps as we pray a prayer of repentance. Maybe you want to get on your knees at your seat. Don't be afraid. Maybe you want to get up as I pray and just assemble yourself either here or there. Father, today we come to you. people in need of your goodness and your mercy and your grace God this morning we pray and we ask for forgiveness for the things that we have allowed in our lives that are not good and they're not God we ask you to forgive us to do what only you can do that forgiveness that's made available the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. And God, would you fill us with your presence and your power? Would you fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can get on that wall and do the thing that you've called us to do? Would you help us to, to lay the foundation and build up the spiritual walls that we need to resist the attack of the enemy? that there would be no gap in the wall so the enemy could get in because the work that you've called us to do is a great work. It's a holy work. And God, for those people this morning that are struggling in their relationship with you, their relationship with Jesus, my prayer is that you would speak to them through the power of the Holy Spirit, that they would have a, a presence come over them that assures them that you are good and that you have their best interest in heart. Thank God for that person this morning that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's available to them. They can have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life by just acknowledging just as we have a while ago that they need to repent of the sin, the life that they've been living and believe in faith that Jesus is the payment for that sin, the atonement they just communicated in whatever words they need to and it's a hard decision. It's not the words they say, but it's repenting of what they have done and turning and walking towards you, God. Through your son Jesus Christ, believing that they're forgiven and that a new life is available for them. And it's tough. The life of a follower of Jesus There are highs, there are lows, there are peaks, there are valleys. But God, we just pray this morning that you would do a new thing in every person in this room, all those watching online, all those listening online. For God, those that are struggling with issues with their health, that God, from the very balconies of heaven, you would reach down and you would touch them. Give them the assurance and the peace that they know that you're with them. Do something new, something that amazes us as we climb up on this wall to do a good work. As we ask this prayer in Jesus' name.
1: You stand and sing with us. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender. You are breaking new ground so I yield to you and to your careful hand when I trust you I don't need to understand make me your vessel make me your vessel make me an offering make me whatever you want me to be Lord I came But all you have given me Jesus Bring new wine Out of me In the crushing In the pressing You are making New wine In the soil Surrender, you are breaking.